Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of Fish in the year 2024. This is going to be a really big year for us, we're incredibly excited. It's our 10 year anniversary, 10 years of Fish this March. That's over 500 episodes, 29,000 facts, well actually so far 29,597 facts to be exact. Uh, we know that because Andy keeps a spreadsheet. So thanks to everyone who's been tuning in all this time. I hope you had a great holiday break, hope you had a great New Year's. We got a great episode for you today. James is away on holiday at the moment, so in his place we have another James, a Reese James. I'm sure you're all aware of Reese James, he's an amazing stand-up comedian. He's appeared on multiple TV shows and radio shows, most predominantly I would say as a regular on Mock the Week, where for years he was a panelist. And actually, if you go to Reese's Instagram account, which is at Reese Jamesy, so that's Reese James but with a Y at the end, you'll find the funniest Instagram account out there, in my personal opinion. It's the reason I basically stayed on Instagram for a long time. He's uploaded all of his single one-liners that he's delivered on the show Mock the Week from over the years, and honestly, you will be in tears laughing. So get that into your life, follow him there, and if you want more long-form stuff by him, you can go to his YouTube account where you'll find an entire radio show that's been uploaded there, and that's called Research. As in Reese's name, but mixed with research. Research. And to describe that show the best way would be to say it's answering all of life's big questions, but done in a sort of brass-eye mold. It's incredibly funny, and you must check it out. But in the meantime, don't go anywhere, because you can enjoy him here on No Such Thing as a Fish. So here we go. On with the show. to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Hoburn. My name is Dan Schreiber. I am sitting here with Anna Tashinsky, Andrew Hunter-Murray, and Reese James. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, and that is Reese. Soap is the best way to move a building. How do we feel about that? That was so dramatically yeah, presented. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. You and I, I actually racked my bra. I had other options. I had other options of ways to introduce that headline. I went with that basic, really simple one. Mm. But I was going to do, going to say something like, washing, removing stains, mm. moving buildings. Just three of the hats, soapwares. <laughs> yeah. oh, you know, wow, that's what I was yeah. going to go with. Before. It's the first fact, you know, keep it simple. Oh, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. I want you to know I had that in the locker. No, yeah, no, no, no absolutely. I think you played it right, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so what's the story here, then? So in Nova Scotia, at last, um, I was, it's very, it felt very local news, this story. So, mm. And there was, like, a local news video about it. But basically, a, uh old Victorian building that was mostly used as a hotel for about 100 years, um, it was going to get knocked down. Then a company bought it because they wanted to attach it to a planned apartment block, sort of 30 feet away. And uh, instead of moving it the traditional way with rollers, they used 700 bars of ivory soap because that's the softest soap and therefore the slippiest. All right. uh, and they did that successfully to then get it onto new foundations. And then once that is complete, they are going to move the whole thing back. What? Yeah, what? yeah. Why? That's the end. I don't know. Okay. They're going to move because basically it's now it's like a protected landmark for this old building, I think. Yeah. And so they were going to restore the whole thing and put it back to wow. where it was, which to me just suggests you wanted to move it with soap. Yeah. You didn't need but to move this. Yeah, if it's protected, but we've also proved beyond doubt that it's mobile. Yeah. It doesn't matter where it is as long as we're protecting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take yeah, it yeah, on sure. the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I found it amazing how little soap you need to move. A, yes. I mean, I looked at the photo. Mm. This is a yeah. big building. Yeah. 700 bars of soap is obviously lots of bars of soap. But it's not that many wings. Surface area-wise, it doesn't feel well, like it, a right. They didn't even use 700 bars. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah they yeah, took they some home, didn't they? Yeah. I think some of the builders took... There was 20 to 40 bars left. So they used most of it. Yeah, like, yeah, they estimated it, quite well. Yeah. No, but I mean... At last. It, yeah. <laughs> My God, you don't hear that a lot. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is, they, this is not the first time that soap's been used to move buildings, but it it's a clearly an essential ingredient as part of the process of what they're doing. And it was as they were getting ready to move it, that's, they went, we don't have any soap. So it's, <laughs> it's not even like they've bought it in industrial bulk amounts. What ended up happening was the guy who was in charge of it his wife Leanne <laughs> had to run to 15 shops around the area <laughs> and buy using 970 something bucks the equivalent of 700 
It suddenly, when you, so when you put it like that, it suddenly sounds quite taskmaster, doesn't it? It's like, there's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's like a panic there of like, oh my God. And he, wasn't this guy, Sheldon Rushton, yeah. the lead builder guy said, I think he said at first he thought, I'll just ask my wife if we can use some of our soap from home. And it was only when she said, we're absolutely not doing that. I'm not giving up our personal supply that she offered to drive around. Which made me think, how many bars of soap are you what stockpiling did, in your in house? This, yeah, exactly. But also how... How precious are you about where the soap is your personal yeah, supply exactly. or not? <laughs> Sorry, surely if it was like, yeah, you can use some of our old soap, but use some of the budget to get us some new soap. That's yeah. surely the same thing. You're yeah. right. Has she written but diary has, entries yeah, on the wrapping? it's got sentimental value, her yeah. own personal soap. I think once you're mixing work with pleasure, it's sort of... <laughs> yeah, I agree, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... Um, we're, not meant, we're not actually sponsored by Ivory Soap this week, but... <laughs> It is very, very soft, apparently, and that's great. So, that's and if really... you do use the offer code FISH, you are going to get 20% You'll get all. nothing. You'll get absolutely nothing. you get a weird look. Um, but so what the, the, the basic method you use to move the building is, you, so you dig under the building, don't you? And then you put steel beams under the building. Then you lift the whole thing up by one inch on hydraulic jacks. Just jack it up one inch, and you slide the soap underneath it on trays. Mm -hmm. And then I think you lower... Then you lower an inch and it just kind of squishes the soap, but it's incredibly soapy now. Yeah. So, then so you, you leave it overnight you... to squish the soap, right? You sit it on the soap yeah. overnight, which yes. I feel like a building's heavy enough that you only need to sit it on the soap for I mean, <laughs> 10 minutes. So these guys are experts, Anna. They're, they know what know. they're doing. Yeah. And then what? You're trying to create a sort of slip and slide aspect to it. Yeah. I bet they don't, they can just push it and it's just about the weight you push it where it like curling. Yeah. And then it just doesn't land <laughs> yeah, in the bit you want the building to be in eventually. <laughs> like, no, nah, I pushed it too hard, it's gone in the sea. It's a thousand of them with brooms <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to slow it up. Have any of you curled? No. Never. I've curled. Oh, I've curled. Oh, I curl. <laughs> Sorry, but I curl. Um, I was trained by the uh, British Olympic curling duo for the Winter Olympics just gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, big time. Whose names are... And then just insert them if you want. To. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were lovely. And, Why uh, were, you, were you hoping to be the third member of the team? Yeah, I did a thing for Team GB's like YouTube thing. I went and had to do four Winter Olympic sports oh. because in the Summer Olympic podcast, I had said as a joke that I reckon I could master any Olympic sport in a day. Right. And I was just, you know, yeah. I was being hyperbolic. And then suddenly their next series, they said, go on then. And I mastered none of them in several days. Um, one of them is curling though, which was the easiest, but it's like insane at first because also they're not very technical with their language. So they literally just call it grippy shoe and slippy shoe. And you have one of each. Oh, oh that's like bowling. Oh. Yeah, right, yeah, right, 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 right. and a slippy. Yeah, yeah. So you have, they gave me like this thing that goes under your shin as you slide along at first. That's yeah. basically like a little ice skate, mm -hmm. but it just rests. But I think you just shame. have that at first and then you're supposed to just slide on your actual shin. Yeah. Um, but at first they give you that at first. That's like barriers in bowling. I reckon. Right, or like the thing yeah. you push the ball down oh, to make it. I see, I see. Um, How did you do? Pretty badly, I think. Uh. But it was better than when I had to do speed skating and smashed open my chin Oof. on the last Ooh. shot of the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was much worse. Wow. They should Good have ending, given you though. a little um, ski for the bottom of your chin. Like <laughs> your knee curling. Yeah, yeah, that that's situation. what I yeah. has come in today dressed fully in skis, by the way. Head to toe, <laughs> skis for every limb. Well, the only yeah, issue yeah. with the idea with this building being the curling system is you could probably get it into place with one big push, but then you might have a rival building behind you knock <laughs> you out <laughs> using the same system. <laughs> you know the Titanic was um, put on soap. I think we've said before that the Titanic was put on soap to go down the slipway. Yeah, and like oh, really? whale blubber yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was, it was tallow and oil and soap, and it was twenty tons of it that was used, which mm. I find amazing. But obviously, that's yeah. more than seven hundred bars, isn't it? Yeah. But I did. So I was just reading a bit more about that. I'd never read this before. That workers they would go to the slipway afterwards and try and gather up any spare soap that was left over. Oh, to use mm. themselves. Interesting. Yeah. But it was also Smart. covered in sort of oil and you could probably like, wash it right you could probably wash away that and then you've got the soap sitting underneath I guess so yeah I don't, I don't think that. soap gets because you can just wash off the upper layer oh, don't. there is a big debate online about whether you can get soap dirty <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the kind of controversy I, we try to well, of course you can of course yeah. you can I'm willing to weigh in on this debate. Please. Of course you can get yeah, soap dirty. Matt, of course you can get soap I dirty. I believe, of course you can get soap dirty, but it doesn't stop it cleaning you. So it doesn't matter. Interesting. If your soap's dirty, it doesn't make yeah, a difference. Yeah, the level of correct. dirty it would have wow. to be to, for the dirt on it to make you dirtier. Yeah. And outweigh the cleanliness of the soap being applied to you. It's so dirty. Yeah. So you're at that point, right off that bar of soap. Sometimes in horrible pubs, there will be a bar of soap at, you know, at the sinks. 
and you look at it and you think, oh, I'm yeah. actually, I'm not sure. Well, this is, but this is a thing. They've um, there was a report that was done, a sort of a research project to look into how clean actually are in bathrooms <laughs> like pubs and stuff how clean is the soap that you're getting and they've worked out that some of the dispensers are left for so long where they're not maintained and they get cracks in it that you can go to the toilet wash your hands with the soap and leave with dirtier hands than you arrived no. with yeah because they found 15 types of bacteria that were sitting My on God. these dispensers that would make it onto your hand as part of the soap and right. they would stay and and yeah but yeah, with the to yeah same pull well, handles in yeah. the toilet when yeah. you think i know what people are doing in here <laughs> <I know. laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna make a call on this yeah. toilet thing and say it doesn't make your hands dirtier than after you wash them because it doesn't matter if there's bacteria on the soup dispenser so on the soup dispenser it does matter <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but on the soap dispenser isn't the point of soap that it gets onto your hands and then it makes the uh, water and the dirt on your hands more slippery and so it gets them off and it doesn't matter if there's bacteria on the dispenser yes, it does it does the soap that. immediately gets all of that off so it, which is why it doesn't matter if a bar of soap is dirty no but that's the amazing thing about soap and that's why it's so incredible that we you know as a species dis discovered it millennia ago it not only makes the dirt and stuff on your hands slippery to slide off but it also has this structure which tears open bacteria and viruses it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Like it's okay. I just so I want to read this because I don't want to get it wrong. Each molecule of soap has a head which bonds with water, and then a tail which hates water. Right. So and sort of is hydrophobic, you know, and, and tries to avoid it at all costs. That's horrible identity crisis. I know. I know. I know. It's <laughs> this real poor molecule. Mm. And the, so the tail seeks oils and fats and things. Um, and basically, bacteria and viruses they're surrounded by a lipid membrane, a fatty membrane, and when they touch soap the soap kind of envelops it and also the soap molecule tails which are trying to avoid water realize there is a fatty layer on that bacterium and burrow into it uh, they sort of wedge themselves in and that rips the bacterium apart so that's the other thing that's going on as well as making things slippier yeah it's just yeah. amazing mm. it's, it's amazing. Really incredible yeah and it smells nice and it smells nice and lest we forget naturally that, that was the main comment of the builders after they moved that building <laughs> yeah, and it smells nice honestly yeah. they said they went away smelling great yeah that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, though, um, what is better out of, and I feel like I've presented this in a really obvious way now, out of antibacterial soap and just a bar of soap? Uh, antibacterial. Dan, you idiot. <laughs> I mean, I even said it, so the answer was clear. Um, no, there's a serious worry that people are converting to antibacterial soap a lot and hand soap. And there's a guy called Professor Lithgow who works at Monash University in Australia. And he says that he thinks they should all be banned, antimicrobial soaps, because they're not better than just a bar of soap, even though we, I mean, we've got them all over our house now as a COVID hangover. Um, not better than a bar of soap. Hand soaps where you don't use water are significantly less good because, you know, when you get a, a hand sanitizer, oh, that's yeah, a yeah. lot mm. less good. Yeah. Because, Is it? Yeah, because the water doesn't, you need the water to scrub away and wash off that layer. Mm. And he says that they're causing a huge amount of um, antibiotic resistance oh. because we're shoving um, this antibacterial soap at our hands and all the bacteria is becoming kind of superbugs on our hands. <gasps> yes. And he explains exactly. We're all going to have just these superbugs living on us. So really, and this really surprised me, it's not about the an antimicrobial chemical properties really as much as it is about the scrub. But actually the key is as long as you scrub your hands really hard with the water, it scrapes them off. And with the soap. And with the soap. Water yes. does all right, but soap is the thing that really... But yes, yeah. there's definitely something psychological about the smell and presentation, though, right, of, of how clean you feel, because natural soaps don't feel... They obviously are better, and you could make soap out of just oil and mm -hmm. lard, basically, mm -hmm. can't you? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if I'm rubbing oil on my body, I don't feel... And lard... Mm. Bit slimy, feeling massively isn't it? clean. No, yeah. no, saying it's like that, and the scrub of that is what actually makes you clean. Why am I getting I so turned on? I need about the <laughs> Well, I shouldn't be rubbing myself, but um, <laughs> but yeah. you need. The, I need. A, it has to have a scent, or I won't feel. Does it? Well, also, I've, but, I, to be honest, I've not petal. used a bar of soap for years, and I find a really? bar of soap disgusting. Haven't you? I always well, only use never bars. a bar. Never a bar. <laughs> Come on. I don't mind a bar of soap. Are you a cartoon? Are you all cartoons? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't use, I, in our house, we have the, yeah, we have liquid soap as opposed to a bar of soap. Well, but yeah, I would, yeah, use, yeah. It. I would pump, use it. A little pump. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I, like I, a shower you're gel looking at me like I've never situation. heard of pump soap. Yeah, 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 I am familiar yeah. with the concept. But um, you, know? you should just Come feel on. very guilty because, of course, you are single-handedly destroying the world. No palm with oil. All of your Always say use. no palm oil, please. What is the issue? Plastic. Yeah, plastic. Is it wrapped? Who are you saying? 
saying it to? For your, so- your personal sofa? I say no palm oil, please. <laughs> to, my, to, my, to my butler. <laughs> Sorry, I don't make that clear. <laughs> um, is most soaps? I have again. I actually haven't bought a bar in ages. Aren't they covered in quite a plasticky kind of wrapping? Uh, yes, Dan. Paper. But, but... Is it paper these days? Right, there is a spectrum. Get, yeah. What we've seen is a spectrum is here. From Anna, who uses only old-fashioned bars of soap that have to be cut from the mother block <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. wrapped in um, greaseproof hemp. paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, up to Dan, who has, like, those auto dispensers at every doorway in his house. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So the other board... This is such a boring thing to say, but uh, actually, if you use bar soap, uh, it's got a slightly lower carbon footprint in the travel emissions. Yeah, cool. Because you're not... You know, with liquid soap, you're mostly transporting the water... Yeah, but what about okay? But what about the satisfaction of, of a foam burst? Have you ever used a foam burst? I became briefly obsessed with foam bursts. What's, what is a foam it's burst? It's just a soap that is literally designed to become extra foamy when you're, when you're lathering, and so you, you know you feel it's exciting. It's very exciting way to start or end your day. Just wow. feels like you're not engaging with the ethical issues here. Really. Listen, you're very much scent and foam based. Listen, and I'm happy with this girl record. I couldn't give a fuck about the ethical issues here. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the podcast! Stop the podcast! Hey everyone, this week's episode of Fish is sponsored by HelloFresh. HelloFresh, yes, you may have heard us advertising HelloFresh before. They are a fantastic firm. They send you kits to make delicious meals in your own kitchen, in your own home, probably the kitchen. You can try other rooms if you like. (laughs) And they're fantastic. The food is great. It allows you to plan out what you're having in advance, which means it's easier for you to lock in eating lots of lovely vegetables or stick to your resolutions. They're just great. That's right. I mean, I'm looking at the recipes right now. This is the menu for the 6th of January to the 12th. You can get Korean-inspired 21-day-aged sirloin steak. It's crispy sesame chicken schnitzel. Plenty of veggie options as well. They give you the timings that it takes. They give you every proportion that you need to the perfect amount. And you can get it from multiple people to fit the size of your family and friends visiting. Exactly. It's flexible. It saves time. It means you don't have to think about what you're going to eat or cook at that tricky 4 p.m. time. You think, oh, God, I haven't sorted out my supper yet. Just go to hellofresh.co.uk forward slash new fish and you can get 60% off your first order and 25% off the next two months. That's right. So head to hellofresh.co.uk slash new fish and get yourself that 60% off that first order and 25% off the next two months. And they are so good. Get it now. On with the podcast. On with the show. Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is Andy. My fact is that the 19th century author Thomas Hardy had two funerals at the same time. Did you say 19th century author so we didn't confuse him with the 21st century actor? Because he's still alive. This is Tom Hardy, uh, Thomas Hardy, who wrote, (laughs) I'm kind of confusing it already, Jude the Obscure, Tass of the D'Urbervilles, Mayor of Casterbridge. We don't need the full bibliography. About 900 poems. Mm -hmm. He was a big deal. He was. He was mega famous, actually. And, uh... That was sort of what led to this problem. Basically, he was meant to be buried in Dorset in his native Stinsford uh, with his first wife, right? And it was all ready ready to go. There was a space on the tombstone for him, to, his name to be added, you know. Um, and then he died. Uh, and then his friends, uh, including James Barry of um, Peter, Pan. Peter Pan fame and Sidney Cockrell, who slightly less well-treated by history, but, you know, I'm sure <laughs> a big deal at the time. They went to his home basically on his death and they said, we think he should be buried in Poets' Corner in Westminster Abbey. He's mm-hmm. a huge, huge deal. And um, they kind of bullied uh, T- Thomas Hardy's second wife, Florence, into going along with it. You know, right. so she, she sort of said, oh, okay, fine. So they, they struck a deal uh, whereby he uh, went to Poets' Corner and his heart went to Stinsford. Uh, and, and they both had a funeral at 2pm on the 16th of January, 1928. And that yeah. was the... I mean, real Sophie's choice for his second wife. Sorry, you're yeah. either going to be buried in Poets Corner, which is not where you're supposed to be, or with your other wife, yeah. Yeah. your previous wife. And yeah. oh no, we'll just take your heart to your previous wife. <laughs> I know, it's really... <laughs> well, so you might be thinking, where the fuck do I come in in all of this? Are you taking it? Yeah, where am I ending up? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's true. And also, like, well, I think uh, reading into it more, I think his family was there as well. So that was kind of... Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, non poets corn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so because his wife, his first wife, they didn't particularly get on too well, like deep into the marriage. To begin with, they did. But there was a lot of... No, it was a... There's a painful no. marriage, according to a lot of the friends and close relatives and so on. Um, and and her, herself. And, and him, himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. why is he... Why why, why did he want to be there? Well, the, the family, I guess. She just happened to be there. Right. I don't know. He felt, huge, he felt huge regret about what a dick he was to her, it was said. Um, he treated her quite bad. She kept a book. Oh, yes. my God. It's the greatest title I've ever heard. Yeah. She. So he found after she died. And they did have this difficult relationship, didn't they? And she's a very interesting, weird character. Um, but he found in the attic after she died a diary that she'd written basically called something like what I think of my husband yeah, and just loads of bitching about him and he did and he feels <laughs> so awful and he felt really guilty reading that and I think he burned it immediately so we don't know yeah I'm yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry yeah, I feel yeah. so bad okay let's just pop those in the fire that burn it on the gaslight yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's every husband's nightmare yeah, yeah. 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 titled that oh my god it's, yeah. not, it's not a dream for every wife I'm going to tell you <laughs> you're not picking up a book called what I think of my husband and expecting positive <laughs> review are you he's great end of book oh, <laughs> always helps he always listens and she lived in the attic she just moved into the attic after a while a while after their relationship started to go, go really wrong oh. she was kind of the she was the sane woman in the attic well I mean <sighs> sources differ on the sanity well, levels right. uh, and then he remarried he married Florence who was 39 years his junior there's a big difference there the list of not even guests at the funeral of Thomas Hardy, but the pallbearers. You had, uh, just before mentioned, James Barry, J.M. Barry was one of the pallbearers. You had George Bernard Shaw. Uh, you had the Prime Minister, Stanley Baldwin, as one of the pallbearers. Um, and then, you know, various other names that were obviously but massive. Two Prime time. Ministers being pallbearers, but That's one right. of them wasn't Prime Minister yet. That's right, leader of the opposition at the Ram time. Ramsay MacDonald, who wow. was then the first Labour Prime Minister. Yeah. Rudyard Kipling. And Kipling, yeah. Also I mean, a pallbearer. I mean... I guess, is this that surprising? Like, if Richard Osman <laughs> dies, I wouldn't be massively surprised if, like, Sebastian Folks, Ian McEwan... Yeah, but this is the equivalent of Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer yeah, I tell also you what, turning up. I don't think you get a lot of volunteers to carry that coffin he's a big lad oh yeah your poor buried list would be very long wouldn't it yeah, yeah. Well, yeah i wonder yeah. how tall thomas hardy was because he had 10 did he which feels like a lot yeah, yeah normally yeah. you can fit six. Oh, yeah okay. good point you know very squeezed in i don't i know i, know. I think he was definitely quite puny as a baby and uh, his mother gave birth and they went oh we'll upset that side because it's not alive and we'll retrieve Whoa. the mother and they put him to one side thinking that he wasn't alive um, and then the midwife who probably wasn't doing a job particularly well said after a few minutes oh hang on a second this baby's alive we should keep it going good grief and he was wow. very and for the first few weeks everyone assumed that he would die and oh, he was wow. quite a weakling i think when he was younger mm. Are you guys fa f any fans of his stuff? I, yeah, yeah. I read Tess of the Dobervilles at school, <laughs> Did you know? and it was it was the first, as it were, literature book that I'd read up until then. I was reading spin-off Indiana Jones novelizations, and yeah. I it blew my mind. I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote my favorite poem, which one? Well, the Darkling Thrush. Amazing oh, yeah. poem. Yeah. If you want to read it. Well, he considered himself a poet more than a, mm. an author, didn't he? Despite these like seminal. Well, he was much more successful yeah. as an author, right? That's just like yeah. yeah. He was extremely successful as a poet as well. And the last 30 years of his life, he only wrote poetry, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he had success, but this, to me, is like Ant and Deck considering themselves musicians. <laughs> like they, they, you know, they've, had, they've been successful in the charts, but you wouldn't say yes. the, the famous... Yeah. yeah. He had a repertoire. A, yeah, musicians Ant and Deck have died is not what's going to be... <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. But he wow. just, this, to me, is just like, you know, his Twitter bio would just be one of those ones that's just like a list. Poet, author, son, father, husband, twice. <laughs> For anyone who's listening who's not a fan, they're basically the books are... They're amazing, but they're also incredibly gloomy. Mm. As in, they they feature all sorts of you know terribly unhappy people, be you know making poor decisions mm, yeah. uh, and getting on badly with each other. That's although that, I that, think that he has a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> Far from the Madding Crowd is not a gloomy book. Everyone okay. always says such sad books, but yeah, don't read Jude the Obscure if you. Well, so Jude the Obscure, the Guardian <laughs> a few years ago, they produced this fantastic infographic on what each book contains in terms of you know various traumas. Right, so. Judy Obscure was by a long shot the winner, but it features, they just listed like in little bullet points what it features. Uh, an unhappy relationship, a death, another unhappy relationship, another unhappy relationship, grinding poverty, suicide, murder, murder, 
that's one child who kills two others and then himself. Oh, uh, miscarriage, alcoholism, another death, and animal genitalia-related injury, which I had forgotten about, but which does feature in Do the Obscure. Does it? What happens? Oh, which bit is that? Jude, who meets his wife Arabella when she throws a pig's pizzle. A pig's penis at him, oh. and it wallops him on the bonds. If you, if you, when you said animal-related <laughs> genital injury, <laughs> I would never have guessed that. I was going to I, something biting. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I never would have. I, I never would have thought it was the animal's genital that was in that doing, was the doing the causing right. the injury yeah. to yeah. a different part of his body. No. Yeah, right. dismembered pig dick was not. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. I saw coming <laughs> on my bingo card for in 1894. <laughs> I uh, so got the train in today to King's Cross and I had a bit of time on my hands and I went to see something pretty incredible. The tree? What? Yeah. What? I went to see the Hardy tree. What's that? Oh. The Hardy tree is old St. Pancras Church, which is just up the road from St. Pancras Station International. And it's a, it's a church where you have a, a graveyard there. And when Hardy, prior to becoming a full-time writer, I think maybe he was dabbling in, in writing at that point, but he was an architect beforehand, and he used to work in London, and he worked for a company which was called Blumfield. And one of the things that Blumfield needed to do was they needed to move a lot of the graves that were in the area to make room for a new rail track. It was the mainland, mm. uh, Midland Grand Railway. And so they had to exhume bodies, and there was something like there was thousands of bodies that they had mm. to exhume, and they had all these leftover tombstones. And Hardy did this thing where there's about a hundred of them of these tombstones. They are all sort of layered in towards the tree. Um, it's so hard to describe. Well, like they like circle circles. the tree. Is the tree because the tree fell down this year? The tree fell well, down the in tree... 2022. Yeah. Oh, has it fallen? I saw it years ago, but it yeah. was like when I, it was like the roots were like growing over the tombstones. Yeah. It's almost like. Give the illusion that the tombstones were sinking because, like, roots right. were starting to grow over the top of them. Oh, they were wow. getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, so a storm, but I didn't know it fell down. So, what is it? A storm took it out, but they've left. The, the, there's a big fence around it at the moment. They're working out what to do and which way to restore it. But yeah, that is a that is literally a bit of art slash architecture mm, by wow. Thomas Hardy, as you say. You saw it when it's full, yeah. full place. And, and God, just generally, by the way, what an extraordinary cemetery that is with such yeah. notable mm. people. Mary Wollstonecraft is buried there, who was the mother of Mary Shelley. And there's this story which all academics think is almost definitely true. It's one of those ones where it's like, there might be a tiny grain of untruth. It's where she used to go and sit and read her mother's books against the tombstone. And it's where her and Percy Shelley first had sex on the tombstone. <laughs> That's Literally, the kind of thing they would have done. Yeah. But so, Goths, man. Goths. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. I highly recommend it, though. Um, I, of, course, well. of course, you would, Dan. You recommend all sorts of stuff. Well. I mean, going to visit yeah. the okay. cemetery. Dance Sex Advice podcast is going uh, to go down like a lead balloon. But, but also, incidentally, yeah. one of the people who were buried underneath, supposedly, all those tombstones is um, the writer who wrote... Uh, the vampire who was part of that weekend with Mary oh, Shelley. God. Polidori. Yeah, Polidori. Polidori. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Can so I um, shatter your illusions, though, about the that lovely um, concentric circle gravestones and tree? Okay. Tree has nothing to do with him. What? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone calls it the Hardy tree. There's ah. no evidence it was planted in his life, uh, like, no, by no, him no, when no, he was right. an architect. There's no evidence it was, they think it was planted about 50 years after he died. It only started being referenced in the... Oh, so he, just, he just made the circles He made the circles, randomly. I thought. He, all we know, I'm pretty sure, is that he was indeed employed because he was low down the architect's firm. So the architect said, could you dig up all these bodies? So he did dig up the bodies. <laughs> yeah. And he, in fact, um, he remembered later in his life when they were digging up the bodies, opening one grave that had two heads and one body. And um, that was a fun, wow. fun memory for him. And he said some of them were just skeletons loose in the ground. Some of them like crumpled apart. He was apart. digging them up personally. He was there overseeing it and other people under wow. him were digging them up. Two heads, one body. Yeah. We don't know he made the stone circle. Ooh, we, we just know, know he dug up the body. It sounds like he just littered some gravestones <laughs> he somewhere. Just yeah. 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 The story is losing a tree grew and turned them into a perfect circle. It's like a, genuinely like a natural <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> some poor person, probably a woman, came afterwards and said, hey, it would look nice if we did this. And then everyone's <laughs> gone. Oh, it was Thomas oh, Hardy, did it? That's classic, Tom. Yeah. Uh, can I guys, oh, how can, interesting. Can I give you guys a quiz? Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay, so we all know Thomas Hardy, and we all know about Kiss, Kiss, Me, Kiss Me Hardy. Yeah. And we all know about Tom Hardy, the actor. Yeah. Right? So which Tom Hardy... I've renamed these headlines, all, so they all say Tom Hardy, so that's not a clue, <laughs> okay. right? Which Tom Hardy are these about? Yeah. Okay? Goldfish removed from Tom Hardy Pond to protect newts. 
Which which Hardy is that about? The actor. Author. 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 You're both right. Sorry, Dan. Well, it's a bit loose calling him Tom. I've, re- I've changed the headlines. I've changed the headlines so they all say Tom Hardy. So that's not to avoid being a clue. I see. Because people Sorry. only say Thomas or Tom. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy fuels James Bond rumours. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, let's see it. Let's go back to when the first James Bond was written. Let's do the, do the dates alive. <laughs> Fleming was a port bearer at the author's funeral, <laughs> yeah. so I'm locking that in. Okay. Uh, no, I'm so sorry, Dan. That's about the accent, Tom Hardy. <laughs> uh, last one. Tom Hardy wins jiu-jitsu contest in Milton Keynes. <laughs> I don't think it's any of them. That's just a different bloke. <laughs> no, it's the actor. He Last year, he just turned up in Milton Keynes at the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Open Championship held at a school in Milton Keynes. Um, and kicked everyone's ass. He he won. Champ- he was champion in his Held at school, but it was adults. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was to turn up and go, well, this should be a walk in the park. Absolutely bar. went through year eight like a dose of salts. No, um, no he has a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and, um, and just destroyed everyone. Because like, that's quite wow. intimidating if you turn up and see Tom Hardy, you know, Bane, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Mad Max. Yeah. Are you allowed to just wander in? Surely you have to have entered in advance. Uh, yeah, he, did, he, did, he did enter in advance. He, he registered. Oh, he registered. He okay. just registered like a normal, like a normal person. You know, and I not bet someone to make any who, who's worked at that school who was organising the whole thing read it and went, "It won't be that top." Yeah, yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, do you know? I just want to bring up the second wife very quickly, uh, Florence mm. Dugdale. So that was her name. She was an author herself, published author. Um, and uh, there was, a, as you say, a huge age gap. Apparently they got on really well, though, according to friends who also said that the first wife and Thomas didn't get on. Um, she wrote a biography of him, um, and he didn't burn it. It was called The Early <laughs> is Life. That, is that because he died? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because it turns out he actually wrote it mostly himself. Oh, no. And it was right. published under right. her name. So, oh, my God. Yeah. That's the sort of thing you do if your first wife released a book saying, <laughs> yeah. you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And suddenly you go, hmm, how can I protect my reputation here? <laughs> Isn't that oh, astonishing? Yeah. That's really, and has that survived? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of stuff was... didn't. A lot of stuff was burned. A lot of his correspondence was burned almost immediately after his death, which has really vexed a lot of biographers, obviously. Because, yeah, right. So yeah. much burning of books went on back in the day, didn't it? Like, they were constantly burning books so he burned most of his own diaries I think as well yeah. as burning his wife's yep. diaries yep. she burned um, like his second wife burned the courtship letters between him and his first or I think mm. maybe his first and everyone was burning letters and books left yeah. right and centre why don't we do this anymore I, I do <laughs> yeah. I think I've set fire so many laptops it's a nightmare all of your wife's diaries <laughs> there, the there you were criticising my carbon footprint <laughs> <laughs> burning every book he's ever read <laughs> Uh, um, Paul Bearer is obviously celeb Paul Bearer is very cool oh yeah mm-hmm. there's modern there's a modern version of it yeah. I'd say of like having lots of well not famous people being Paul Bearers but like something cool to do which is um, Tupac you know this about Tupac mm-hmm. if Tupac's dead uh-huh. yeah. then Tupac's gang members smoked his ashes oh no way oh, wow. yeah, as, as was requested in a Tupac lyric he said in the lyric when I die smoke my ashes basically in slightly right. slightly different words that I won't use yeah 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 but, I've got a question yeah how can you smoke them if they're already ashes? Well, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he wasn't made of tobacco. Well, I did say smoke his remains, but I'm doubting there's like an arm. <laughs> I, no, I did say smoke the ashes. You'd need a very big briar like... pipe to get an arm into, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh... No, it was ashes. I don't know. I guess they just... You just know, shove it in poetic. with... Like, mix it in with some mix tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and other things, and other I things yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was like tobacco. <laughs> Okay, it is time for fact number three, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that the UK literally have fashion police. <laughs> Quite literally. So Speaks a guy who's just been arrested for that, uh, <laughs> that choice of hoodie. <laughs> so th- it turns out that one of the things, there's a lot of things that happen within police work with forensics, and a very important bit of it is trying to identify when a body might, you know, if you find a body, how long has it been there, um, diagnosing all that stuff. And one of the things that might help you with that is the clothing that the person is wearing. And so there's this fashion historian called Amber Bashar, and she basically goes around and she, she worked for Beyond Retro and she was a fashion historian. She liked to find where products were coming from, at what point they were using certain materials and
and so on. And there was a police forensic investigator who saw what she was doing after hearing her on a Radio 4 show and thought, I wonder if that's going to be interesting for me in terms of trying to diagnose how old a body is or just give us a bit more detail. So that's what she does. She goes around for the UK police. She'll go to a murder scene and she'll look at the exact fabric that they're wearing. And obviously, as we know, like, you know, if you were going to die today, you might be wearing old clothes from... I was going to say, yeah. are, are me and Andy going to look like we're from the 50s because we just have never <laughs> bought new clothes for ourselves? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the issue, right? But I suppose it just plays into a bigger picture yeah, of yeah, what yeah. they're doing. Absolutely. So yeah. there's one story which is a bit upsetting, but uh, an old lady passed away and they found a um, body that was wrapped up in a bra and she was able to look at the bra and, and work out exactly when the bra was wow. from to be able to say, so it must have been this year that the body was in there. And she does it, by the way. There's a lot of amazing... Um, archives of clothing and one big one is M&S have a massive archive of clothing that she can look through and find the history of items because wow. a lot of Brits are going to be you know dying in M&S clothing sorry <laughs> I, hope to, I hope to one day <laughs> I hope to <laughs> <laughs> I really, actually I don't mind when the day comes as long as I'm in my trusty M&S that's what people <laughs> say isn't it yeah it's like people often you know how they want to die they often say in my sleep or in my M&S cocoon <laughs> <laughs> either's fine with me yeah and we should yeah. add that this is also not a sponsor that we're doing yeah. right now yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I I reckon there's certain items of clothing where I could tell you when that person died. Oh yeah. Mm. Buried in a Von Dutch cap. I'm going 2001. Straight away. <laughs> Live nice. strong band. Come on. You're getting a five year period. Yeah, okay. What about the cycles of fashion though? Every 30 years? It could well, always it either be around. like, you know, it was last year or 31 years So it has ago. to be, so yeah, so it has to be something that hasn't yet come back. Okay. Yes. So, you know, right. Oh, yeah. it's not retro. It's like white guy dead in a Wu Tang thirty six chambers top. Sure, ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. exactly. So well, um, I've always worn flares. Uh, sometimes well, I would exactly, have confused right? the hell out of police. At other times, it's perfectly acceptable. I don't know what phase we're at now. Are we in a flares phase? Yeah, we are actually. We are. Oh, there we go. There I we think go. often she just goes, "Well, what we have here is a time traveler." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I recruited a bit of uh, help about this. I wrote to an expert. Uh, uh-huh. Val McDermott, the author, mm. aka Queen of Crime. Holy shit, that's a clang. Jeez. We thought we thought the old <laughs> curling team was a clang. Early. <laughs> Unnamed curling team. <laughs> um, no, I just I, 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 uh, no very slightly, and I just asked her about this kind of stuff. She's yeah. written a book as well as all her novels. She's written a book about forensics. Oh, ah. right. uh, and she said that natural fabrics decay when you're buried. Uh, as in buried in the woods, you know, that kind of thing, if, yeah. you, if you've been killed. Uh, but labels are usually man-made fibres, so they survive, right? So they can provide a clue if it's mm. foreign label or a designer mm. label or whatever. So she says, if you're planning a murder, go for mass-produced cotton and snip those labels when it comes to dressing your corpse. <laughs> ah, good That's very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you, Val. <laughs> yeah. That's good because you can tell how big the person was, even if the whole body's disintegrated, right? You can still be like, size eight. Mm. Mm. Size 14. This does feel like, this story feels most like, you know, Netflix are on the phone buying the rights to this series. Mm. Surely, of like the person who solves crimes based on labels what you're, what you're wearing. Oh, yeah. 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 Sorry, I thought you meant buying the rights to this podcast, which <laughs> so far. <laughs> They are available. (laughs) And she's cool. Amber, if you see a photo of her, she dresses like she's like like someone from Beyond Retro Wood, right? Like she's got like old school clothing. She looks like she could be in a sort of Agatha Christie. She'd be a vintage detective. What could we call it? uh, What, the series? Yeah, series Um, called... Drop Dead Gorgeous. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Dress to Kill. Brilliant. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, we've got two films. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard about this thing of uh, the principle of uh, interchange or the principle of transference? So one of the fathers of forensics was a Frenchman called Edmund Lockhart in Lyon. And his basic theory is that any two objects interacting will leave a trace. So when you commit a crime, uh, you will leave something behind that wasn't there before like a bullet in a person and you will take away something that was there originally right so that's the, just the, like the founding principles like all you have to do is work hard to find those well it's um, that you'll take away like a bit of dust or something it's exactly not like you'll always... yeah or a fiber on your shirt not a souvenir yeah, always cut off the finger <laughs> yeah yeah um, but this now we are so good that that sometimes makes things difficult for forensics people so for example if I hug Reese and then I am murdered yeah. Reese will have my DNA or sorry I, if my body's tested yeah. it'll, it'll have DNA from Reese's clothes on it yes despite the fact he had nothing to do with it so that mm-hmm. suddenly means that he might have to be questioned or involved or whatever mm. it is yeah. so that's the extent to which forensics is advanced these days it's so good now you can recreate so much stuff. Yeah. yeah, so surely it's got to the point where it's so good, now the list of suspects is way too yeah. big and makes this way harder. Yes. So it's, defeated, yeah. it's sort of eating itself. 
It's sort of, yeah, like those detective closed room things. It's only like there's 5,000 people yeah, called yeah. to the room. You're probably all wondering why I got here. Yeah. It's obviously they've got good methods to winnow it down. And yeah, you'd probably sure. be released without charge after a day or two, Reese. But I don't know. I'll give up a voice. <laughs> yeah. I got those sort of eyes. I thought yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. The motive's there. You spent yeah. two hours with him now, so <laughs> we'd all understand. Yeah. Um, I would be caught. Cool. I mean, I've got. Uh, I've read about how cat hair is like one of the main things, right? If, like murderers who have cats oh. get caught quite quickly because if, if anyone, if any of you've got a cat, you know that you basically constantly have cat hair on you. Right. And right. so everywhere you go, that you're just you're molting like a cat, and cat hair is coming off. But then, and so I have that... a ginger cat, so you know, that's just the most visible one, basically. Yeah. But mm. do police now go around? If someone's murdered, are they now going around everyone's house testing not only other people in the house but their cats as well? I, You'll I get a knock yeah, on the door. So, say, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a double match. You got you and your cat. Right. Yeah. We're looking for a British short hair. Um, great <laughs> fur. Yeah. Um, do you know you can catch people by different prints that aren't fingerprints, uh, various other prints. Tongue. So um, tongue prints, Ooh, I think yeah. you could, because yeah. that's that's individual. Although I'm not sure how many people lick the murder scene before leaving. <laughs> well, um, oh, you said tongue. I thought I heard time. Which time prints would be as well? Um, time print. Time print. Do you leave a time? Print yeah. If you if you if you um, your mobile so phone leaves a signal. Oh on the yeah. Oh, yeah of that's a lot of modern detective. Is that a time print? Did he leave a time print? Well, I thought that's what Reese said and I was just trying it's to help. Co it's cool. I like the sound of... <laughs> yeah, and if you punch in and out like you would at a work factory um, for every murder, you have sort of a time stamp of, you know, you know sometimes you have to check into a building for fire records. You know, you... There's the comments book on the way out. Um... <laughs> Died lovely. <laughs> really easy to kill. He left Thank a two-star review. That's terrible. <laughs> that's a real crime. <laughs> crime against this lovely hotel. <laughs> None of this is is what I said. Um, prints, prints, um, glove prints. So oh, and yeah. wow, what? That's the whole point of gloves, yeah, isn't it? Brilliant. In this context, <laughs> I know, right? First of all, you hugged Andy on the way in, and you're wearing gloves. None of this can work, Reese. Um, so yeah, people can take glove prints, and because people think what you guys think, which is that wearing gloves, I'm safe. They leave a lot more. They're much more cavalier than oh. they are with fingerprints. Um, but now there are various police forces that have made databases of glove prints. So if they can match it to another That's glove print insane. found at a different place, then they'll know that it's the same person. Just fibers that come off the gloves, or yeah, from the fibers that come off the glove, um, wow. and the pattern that the glove makes on, right. you know, it'll make an imprint. And God, even so clever. And it's even like, it doesn't matter if it's the same brand of glove that I'm wearing compared to you, Andy, because I'll be doing different things with my glove to what you're doing with your glove. And yeah. so it'll wear in a different way. Stop it. How yeah. interesting. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts what can be done. Yeah. Ear prints. amazing. Ear, someone was caught in France by their ear prints because they'd um, been listening up against the keyholes of lots of student halls wow. doors. And ear prints. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. That's because, that, yeah, footprints or shoe prints, I imagine, as well, would be a thing. You would see a size 12 Adidas. Yeah. You might have certain muds and that's stuff that you can. Stuff yeah. With all but that's ear print, amazing. that's like, yeah, eyebrow print or that's so <laughs> neat. You, you can get a bum print. Um, what do you mean, get a bum? What if you photo <laughs> sit on the photocopier? <laughs> you, you have a bum print. Yes. I just wonder. I mean, I just wonder if that's ever been used. Sorry, everyone's. What are you? Sorry, you mean? No, no, I'm trying to. You mean if you put if you the murderer were to put their bare ass onto some, something at the scene, they could go. Oh, we know whose bomb that is. Sorry, yeah, exactly. It's a classic calling card. For a lot <laughs> yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the police line up for those. <laughs> yeah, turn around. Amazing sight. <laughs> uh, can bomb number two move around, then, please? <laughs> oh. Have you? Um, this is a very cool thing. Have you heard of forensic ecology? Forensic ecology. This is, uh, I read an interview with a woman called Rosie Everett. She uses materials found in the natural world to solve crimes, right? So, um, specifically microfossils. Oh. There are these things called diatoms. We've spoken about them, I think, ages ago. Uh, basically, they're microscopic single-cell algae, and she can use these, the presence of these, to come up with a profile of the soil in an area, which can then solve a crime. So, there was, there's a castle in Cheshire called Beast and Castle, right? Which is a protected area. And uh, there were some metal detectorists, uh, nighthawks, dirt sharks, who'd gone and nicked arrow, like Bronze Age artifacts from the soil around there. And when they're caught, they just say, oh, we found them somewhere else. Can't prove anything, mm. you know, mm -hmm. except for Rosie Everett, who came up with the a profile of the soil based on the microscopic algae found there mm -hmm. right. and proved... That's the soil they've been taken from. Wow. Oh, looked, looked at the objects and went, hey, this soil's the same. Yeah, there was a bit of soil, soil found on the Bronze Age artifacts they'd, they'd nicked from there, and there Amazing. was a bit of soil around the castle. Like, just 
so was it one of the ways they caught Ian Huntley from nettle disturbance really so nettles he trampled nettles that meant that they were now growing outwards in a way they don't naturally that sort of proved that he was there in the woods at that time or something well, so it's next generation nettles still affected by the previous... Yeah, yeah, it's like months later they had grown in a certain... like Because they would been... And oh then they God. went outwards instead of up yeah. or something like that. They was like, yeah. That's incredible. That's mad. And slightly less... I'll just quickly tell you a slightly less uh, technologically advanced one mm-hmm. of this guy I read about who got caught um, doing a crime after he got the crime scene very in a lot of detail tattooed on his chest. Oh, <laughs> so, so, so he literally it was like... He'd like murdered someone outside a liquor store or something. And so he got the liquor store, like a painting on his chest with him doing the murder. No, and above, no. it, and above no. it, it says the name of his gang, which was uh, Rivera. It said Rivera kills above it. And it was like a revenge killing. And he had that on his chest. And one day the police were just like flicking through a book of gang tattoos, apparently. And they were like, wait, that's that liquor store. We've been trying to figure out where that guy, who killed that guy. Oh that's that guy God. killing that guy. And then he was no, just tried it. And- that's brilliant. Yeah. We've, we've spoken about in the past how the Yakuza would be busted because they all have very individualistic tattoos. And if mm. they're on the run, they might show up on Instagram, sort of like, you know, topless. Yeah. I mean, if you follow the accounts I do. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and they'll be like, hey, that that's him. That's the guy. Like tattoo spotting is a, is a big yeah. way of busting criminals. Yeah. Did you say your one, Andy, happened in Beeston? Yeah. Well, that was when we did our first book of the year. There was a crime there committed, which oh, was yeah. thousands of bees were stolen from Beeston. Yeah. I wonder if she can solve that crime now using this new technology maybe wow i just i'd sort of forgotten that but as soon as you said we'd had it in our book i thought it'll have been a story about bees won't it that's the level we operate on the back it was our bird that was our leading fact stop the podcast stop the podcast Hi, everybody. Just wanted to let you know we are sponsored this week by Squarespace. That's right, Squarespace. It's the all-in-one website platform where entrepreneurs get the chance to stand out and look sexy as hell online with a beautiful-looking website that has every tool on it possible to make your business the best it can be. That's right. Whether you're starting out, whether you're growing your brand, whatever you're doing online, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website. So, for example, you can create custom merch and you can sell that. You can run that via an online store. You can host a gorgeous video collection. No matter what you are doing, Squarespace allows you to do it easily and crisply. That's right. So if you want to get access to, as Andy says, all those things, including sort of like lots of fonts. God, I love a font. Anything that you need to really zhuzh up the things that you're putting out there online, then you can just head to squarespace.com fish. And if you do that, you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain using the code fish. That's right. Give yourself some zhuzh this new year. You deserve some zhuzh. It's 2024. Get judging. Go to squarespace.com slash fish and put in the offer code fish to save 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain. Do it. Do it now. Okay. On with the show. On with the podcast. Okay. It is time for our final fact of the show. And that is Anna. My fact this week is that parents of newborn penguins take thousands of naps per day. Um, absolute slackers. Lazy. <laughs> yeah. To be fair to them, they're taking very short naps. Uh, these are chinstrap penguins, so they live in um, the Antarctic and around the South Pacific. And they, there were scientists studying them recently on King George Island, and they found that they nap over ten thousand times a day, but they only nap for about four seconds at a time on average. <laughs> <laughs> But still, it gets them something. Um, and I mean, they managed to tot up 11 hours of sleep a day. That's insane. Amazing. It's lot, basically bl- amazing. blinking. It's basically every time they blink, they do it for four seconds and fall asleep. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like when you fall asleep at the cinema or the theatre, mm. you know, and you have that kind of... Yeah, uh, or a yeah, train that jolt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've never left one of those occasions feeling noticeably rested. No. Despite doing that kind of semi-sleep. But I wonder there. if you had a thousand of them. Yeah, true. Yeah. 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 You just haven't been to a long enough play. You know, how you, um, you know how you get those um, sort of rise and grind influencers these days who are all about, you know, getting up at 5am, doing a gratitude journal. You've got to like circadian rhythm and all that sort of oh, stuff. Yeah. You know, you've got to get sunlight before coffee and all this. 
I mean, do you think if they read this, pretty soon everyone would be like, no, 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 don't go to bed. Just stand there. <laughs> just and then blink. four seconds at a time. <laughs> and you just feel perfect. You'd say you're never asleep. Well, never, hustle never sleeps. <laughs> yeah. it'll, wow. it'll become a thing. Um, and so, yeah, and they go into deep sleep, which I'm not sure we're very good at doing within four seconds, but they looked at their brain wow. waves. Really? Yeah, so it was, it was quite like a difficult. Real, it's like a bungee jump into sleep and then back. Yeah. It just feels so mm. rapid to get yeah. there. Yeah, deep um, sleep. But yeah, they go into so cool. slow wave sleep. Um, they really rigged them up, these penguins. It's amazing they could sleep at all. There was this researcher, Wong Young Lee, who I think was leading the research, who said it was exhausting for them because uh, they had to catch 14 penguins and they had to get... Um, equipment on their brains to measure their brain activity and then they had to get accelerometers to see how fast uh, to like record their muscle movements see how fast their muscles are moving and their positions and then they film like whether their heads start nodding and so then is it possible that the, the, the penguins actually com- sleep completely normally but when they're manipulated <laughs> by scientists yeah, they yeah. can't sleep yeah. at all I think so <laughs> Do we, they did say um, this is probably serving the purpose of meaning that they can guard their young so it's when they guard their newborn children because yeah. one parent will be off getting food the other parent has to look after the kid so it's like so you never sleep for so long that the kid can get in trouble it's like having a baby monitor um and uh they said it's probably because of that but it could also be because you know penguins when they're looking after their young they hang out in these massive groups of just thousands of them and it's really loud and busy like these researchers said we couldn't sleep because it was just so hectic there because so many penguins these researchers are complaining a lot about their own sleep i have to say (laughs) for someone else's study about something else (laughs) Um, (laughs) four seconds i I wish Um, but uh. they said it could just be that the penguins can't sleep for longer than that. They they might be able to sleep for eight hours in a row, but it's just that they've been woken up every so four seconds because it's so noisy and bustling. Wow. Yeah, right. Huh. It is crazy. There are lots of animals in the in the um, world that do when they've had a baby are forced into a position of just being awake. Like dolphins, for example, are awake for like a month, a full month. They just can't <laughs> go to sleep because they're because their <laughs> baby dolphins can't sleep, so they're just awake the whole time. So for they're a month. just following. Yeah. For a month and they basically oh they they just have to be awake and with them part of the dolphin not being asleep as a baby is as they keep movement they're building up blubber they're building up all the things that they need to make them into a bigger dolphin that's like and then then after like a month or so they all start sleeping again but the mum is just Gosh. solidly awake but don't they the do the half of their brains oh, at a time thing. so i'm not sure that i that's what i tried to find out but i couldn't find anything that said they go to half asleep because yes dolphins shut half their brain asleep yeah but as far as i could see that wasn't part of any of the at all they're not either half yeah Blimey. I, but, you wow. know I don't know about all bears but don't polar bears do a similar thing where they basically just attach the children to them for the whole time so the children don't really walk around following them like you see like elephants you see them following mm-hmm. and stuff like that but polar bears is just like just you see a picture of a new mum in the polar bear community there's just kids just like strapped they just like clinging on I think they yeah I don't, I don't think they have papoose um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're just like grabbing hold of them and they just have to wow. walk around with that and then just just do everything from there until That's they so like, sit down again because so they just cozy. don't walk like tassels you know um, elephant seals yes mm. which is a huge great oh, yeah. uh, massive uh, big things um, yeah. we got sent a fact actually by Victoria Piedade so thank you for that Victoria uh, which is that sleeping elephant seals they fall through the sea as they nap so oh, they yeah. are mammals they, they do not have gills they <laughs> <laughs> they can last up to about half an hour underwater, but sometimes they will just nap, and it seems like they just spiral downwards through the water asleep. Wow! That happens floor. in my brain quite a lot. When you're trying to get to sleep, <laughs> you know, you jolt awake because you felt like you were falling. Yeah, like yeah. Like that. Well, imagine if you woke up imagine, and you had actually you, you're, you're in the bottom of the sea. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it yeah. is fast. They drop 400 meters in 10 minutes, which if you can, wow. that's like we're talking wow. the highest buildings in the world. That's like the full height of them almost. Yeah. And it takes quite a long time. Jesus. You know, if you go to one of those skyscrapers, <laughs> the lift takes about that long yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So they're going that they're fast. Going if you wake up when you've only got three minutes of oxygen left, that's presumably quite stressful. I would have thought so, yeah. Well, what's the, what's <laughs> the protocol? What do they do? You can't really do that dad thing of faking that you weren't asleep on the sofa during a Sunday afternoon movie. You know, dads will always be like, I wasn't asleep, I'm watching, I'm watching. I'm resting my eye. <laughs> dad, you're at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Has anyone, have you ever met a penguin? Because uh, I've got another clang. Here we go. Which of your winter sports were you taking part in with the Olympic team? Well, I did do the skeleton, which is basically how penguins travel. 
Oh yes, oh, did you? They go, yeah. you know, it's like the head first one where yeah, you're yeah. just through. Yeah, that looks terrifying. It. Well, I did it. They train on just on a track, so okay. just on wheels on a track rather than on ice. Right. And this so is the I context where so there were penguins. Where doing no, I didn't think penguins actually. Oh, this is just there. a bracketed anecdote. I, um, I did. Um, yeah, yeah. Because well, you, you mentioned the Winter Olympics, and that was penguin believe. adjacent. I met a penguin in Australia actually. <laughs> okay, right. Um, I can't. I was a child. There yeah. are photos of it, huh. but I'm trying to get my head around what it was because from memory it was like in our hotel, <laughs> like okay. it, where the various pools were. There was yeah. different pools, but it was presented in a sort of like go over to this section. It was like a quite kid friendly hotel. It was like this section is meant to be the Arctic or whatever. And then in between two of these pools on the walkway was just like this bit where these penguins were. Right. And they would do like feedings at a certain time every day and you could go and hang out. And then I was, a, penguins were my favorite animal. I was obsessed with penguins as a kid. I, um, it's pe- penguin is actually one of the many nicknames I tried to start for myself. As a, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, as a child, as a child, you could be honest. You were twenty-three, weren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's a child in some communities. Um, and then, like, I got picked as the volunteer for this sort of penguin feeding, and oh, so wow. I was like doing the whole. You know, I was chucking the fish. Wow. Yeah, and that's I shook, great. Shook his, shook his fin. Shook the penguin uh, fin. Arm. Uh, what do they have? They wing. Have? Wing. Wing. Yeah, wing. Yeah, wing. Yeah. Shook his wing. Fin. <laughs> shook his fin. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> off, mate. Um, Shook his wing, yeah. That's lovely. Oh. That's very cool. And now your DNA is on that penguin, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it's murdered. If that penguin goes missing, I'm absolutely yeah. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> but my cat's also a suspect because there's definitely cat hair on that <laughs> penguin now. Have you seen the penguins at the zoo, the London Zoo? No. Oh, well, I recommend. You know, that's yeah, no, they, the nearest can you penguin to us geographically. I don't think you can meet them as far as I'm aware. There was something about them, wasn't there, though? There was something... Isn't there... there isn't there enclosure... It's a, it's the only like, grade two listed. Oh yes, it's got that amazing. We talked about it before. Oh, it's in a, it's in a Harry Styles video. Is I it? think that rings a bell. That, that, is, from, from that, that, that enclosure that is grade two listed with that <laughs> yeah. spiral thing in the spiral, middle yeah. is where the as it was video is filmed. As it, he's as like it on was. the he's like stood on that thing and all these women are sort of circling right him. are they dressed as penguins? <laughs> they? Well, they're wearing tuxedos. Um, oh, I wonder what they did with the penguins when they were filming that video. I know, right. I think a lot of people on the internet are wondering that as well. I mean, supposedly yeah. it's just a time when they weren't using it. How can they not be the using album, their main the, home and enclosure? The, the album is like, called Harry's House, so it does feel like you march in and went, this is, this is a Harry's house. <laughs> this is Harry's house. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, something that sleeps quite weirdly is spiders. Hmm. And they actually are unique in the animal world, I think, in that they don't have the right body clock. And right. with all, they're the only things we know about that don't have the right body clock. So you know we're all on a, the basically 24-hour body clock, although sometimes when people go and live in caves, they sort of stretch to 25 hours or 23 or whatever. But mostly... <laughs> so we... that was such a dismissive role of the air, like this is a thing <laughs> that's personally inconvenient to you on more than one occasion. <laughs> Those cavemen are always late. <laughs> Anna's waiting outside the cave at the table for two. <laughs> God's sake. Every time. Circadian rhythm, my ass. Um, yeah. So mostly, every, even bacteria operate on a 24-hour body clock, but spiders don't. And we don't really know why, except that they're fucked up. So um, they have the shortest body clocks ever known. Some spiders uh-huh. have been found to have 17-hour body clocks. But this should really mess with them because... So spiders left their own devices, and these are specifically trash line orb weavers, which sounds... <laughs> a slam. Yeah. I mean, roasted or what? They, they're actually called that because they hide in their webs in a pile of crap. So they like will put dead bodies oh. and feces and dirt in their web, and then they hide amongst it. It. Wow, um, it's not dissimilar to my room. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you catch flies. Um, anyway, they need to wake up at night and get super, super active in the dark and they spin their webs at night time and they erect this big pile of trash to live in. Mm. And then in the daytime, spiders fall asleep still, which is why when you see them in daylight, they're usually just motionless. Hmm. And then they go nuts at night in the dark. Um, but it turns out if you subject a spider to full darkness... It starts waking up and weaving its web many hours before night would actually fall. Mm. So it wakes up like on the 17 hour mark rather than on the 24 hour mark. So that means they're constantly kind of jet lagged, right? Because right. They're, they're constantly, yeah. their bodies are going, hey, we've got to wake up now. Mm. And then it's like, no, no, you've got to stay asleep because it's not night yet. And then night comes and then they have to go to sleep and they're wide awake, but they manage to just reset themselves every day. Do they get cranky? Well, maybe that's why they're such bastards. Mm. And they're always eating each other and yeah. hanging out in the corner of the room, deliberately scaring people. Oh, I feel, I feel for them. That's, that sounds very rough. 
Doesn't it? But apparently Entitled, you can't yeah. catch up on sleep anyway, right? You, so there's oh, no yeah, there's right. a myth the whole idea of like I only got six hours sleep last night so I'm going to now have ten hours sleep or whatever it's a it's a Is myth, and a you, myth? you're better off just having seven or eight every time <sighs> so you no it, it's impossible to catch up on sleep what so you'll always be a bit is, more tired in no, life no, no, you just, you'll just keep <laughs> yeah so I don't mean it's impossible to, God in this economy it's bloody impossible to catch up on sleep <laughs> I just mean that it actually makes it worse. Really? So it's like it's not a, cost, really a tally for the week where you're trying to get. A, it's like no, just every day try and get seven or eight. I yeah. did not know I that. Never don't try that and before, improve it with the way you put 10. it. Because the way to avoid being underslept is then just to have seven or eight hours rather. Than, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I I assumed it was the other thing. Me too. That, that there's a ratchet and it only gets mm. worse for your life. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But it doesn't, it's not like there's a certain <laughs> amount of hours you must sleep in your life yeah. and if you're not getting to the total like you're filling it in like one of those thermometers in at school yeah. when you're trying yeah. to get donations yeah. well you can actually trick yourself into thinking you've had more sleep can't you remember we did that thing about the placebo sleep experiment that was done in America where they told people that they'd had more sleep than they actually had and they performed better in tasks I always use this as a life hack to try and tell myself every morning I've had loads of sleep if I haven't do you it hasn't worked yet oh yeah. right you need someone else to tell you that in order for you to actually believe it, right? Yeah. Because you were to work. Because you know what yeah. you've... Yeah. But how can you ever do that? Because, you, you know, if you're employing someone to do that, you also exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, if you, your phone told you, I'd be, I believe it. Yeah, those yeah. apps, sleep apps, should exactly. just lie. They, they should, should just, just lie. lie. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone would get so much more done. <laughs> Maybe they are lying. Because they wouldn't tell us, would they? Because that defeats the object. So perhaps yeah. that's what they I doing. bet if you have it and you work for the app, it always tells you that you got loads of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. that you're more productive in the day. But yeah. everyone else, I think, do what you want. <laughs> if they know from your phone that you work for a rival app, yeah, if you want to they just go, sorry, mate, that was terrible. You're knackered. Oh, you look awful. Okay, that's it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast, we can all be found on our various social media sites. I'm on Instagram, on at Schreiberland. Andy? On Twitter, at AndrewHunterM. Penguin? <laughs> at Penguin on all the forums and at Reese Jamesy on Instagram yep or if you want to get through to us as a group where can they go Anna you can go to at no such thing on Twitter or you can email podcast at qi.com yep or you can go to our website which is no such thing as a fish.com all of our previous episodes are up there as well as links to club fish and various other bits of merch do check it out otherwise just come back again next week and we'll be here with another episode and we'll see you then goodbye <laughs>